lights. It's seven Friday night. Welcome to the latest episode of Seven Friday Night, our first show this season in which we have actual game results to chat about. My name is Chase Bryson, and I'm the managing editor of Sports Stars Magazine. I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Ben Enos, who was so excited about the return of football that he actually made himself sick. Do I have that right, Ben? <laughs> Hello, everyone. Yes, it's true. I bailed on our bro trip up the river road that I hyped up so much last week due to digestive circumstances unforeseen. Not 100% sure what brought it on, but 100% sure I made the right call not patrolling the sidelines in 100-degree heat. Three 100 references in one sentence right there, Chase. That's what the kids call keeping it 100. Yes, I stayed here Friday night in my makeshift war room, which is my living room. And I operated the socials, which was actually a pleasant experience in itself. But, uh, you know, before I, I get caught up in what I did in my living room, let's not get it twisted. You walk the sideline, so you get first call this week. How was the trip to Elk Grove both on and off the field? Well, the drive was a little quieter than it would have been had you joined. But for the first game of the season, it takes me a while to get into a rhythm of keeping stats while trying to get photos and video, all while making sure to post the occasional updates on Twitter. So I'm a little glad that the first half between Granite Bay and Elk Grove was a bit of a snoozer. Both teams were dealing with first game jitters and confusion that let me get into my rhythm a little bit. But I went into halftime wondering if the Snack Shack sold Jolt Cola. So the second half was much better. Uh, both teams uh, found some rhythm on offense, but Granite Bay was just a little more efficient and disciplined. And my biggest takeaway from the game was that Granite Bay coach Joe Catolico has some serious depth at running back. Uh, he'll have it for quite some time, too. Sophomore Carter Jackson, uh, a transfer from Folsom, led the Grizzlies with 124 yards and four touchdowns. And the team's second leading rusher on the night was a freshman, Isaiah N.A., uh, he trucked a few defenders on his way to 90 yards. So Granite Bay finished with more than 330 yards on the ground. Senior QB, uh, McCade Long, added an efficient 72 passing yards. They definitely, if they play more like they played in the second half, they should be in good shape. We have them at number 18 in the in the NorCal rankings, and I think they show that that's probably right where they're at right now. And I think they have a chance to grow and move up a little bit. Uh, but I thought that was a solid ranking for us, and, and they took care of business against a very physical Elk Grove team. Elk Grove teams are always going to be physical uh, and they're going to run the ball hard. And you'll have to, you have to be very disciplined to stop that offense. And they, they did that. So uh, good for Granite Bay. Good first win. So you weren't on the sideline, but you said you did consume plenty of football. So tell us a little bit about your Friday night. Yeah, I was texting with you uh, before the game, uh, before your game. And then during the first half, this is going to be a running theme throughout the year, I think. Big men, big men everywhere. Your game had two really good ones. Uh, yeah, Zayir Collier, Simi Pale. Uh, that was, they they stand out even when you're watching on, on the screen. Um, so, yes, I had the war room rolling. Uh, thanks to the good folks at uh, NFHS, I was able to bounce back and forth between a number of games. I started on Del Oro Indicum. I watched about a half of your game. And then I turned my full attention to the Folsom Monterey Trail game, which uh, was I, I want to start in breaking that game down by giving a big shout out to Access Sacramento, which did a fantastic job with the broadcast. Uh, I wanted to make sure that I showed them some love um, on the field. 
what I saw was extremely similar to what we saw in that matchup last year. Monterey Trail did its thing. Ball control, pound the rock, get Ollie Collier the ball as many ways as humanly possible. But for every grinding drive the Mustangs had, the Bulldogs had a response ready most often in less than a minute. Um, I thought Austin Mack looked pretty good in his opening effort as Folsom's new quarterback. They didn't ask him to do too much, uh, but he still looked great. Uh, and I thought the same as last year when it came to Folsom's ground game. Uh, we've talked about Donovan Maxey Parlor and Ontario Smith. They can run. Folsom can run the ball. Whether they choose to run the ball is a whole other issue. Uh, and one we'll, we'll keep an eye on throughout the year. But they can do both. Uh, one sad moment that we have to acknowledge came in the first half when Stanford-bound tight end Walker Lyons went down with what the Sacramento Bees Joe Davidson said was a broken leg. Nothing malicious, nothing nefarious with the play, just an awkward football tackle and an awkward landing. And uh, you just can't help but feel bad for Walker. And, you know, you never want to see that, especially on in week one. Um, now, Folsom's going to be okay. I texted you, uh, Mason Norberg might now be the SJS's best tight end. Uh, so they'll be okay at the position, but it, it was a tough moment in an otherwise fantastic night for Folsom. Um, so, you know, that's what I focused on after snoozing through the first half of your game. I was also <laughs> following the uh, um, tweets from our friend Ike Dodson from the Whitney and Antelope game that looked like just a tremendous game. Um, Placer and Casa Roble had a fantastic game. What other surprises did you see in week one of Sac Joaquin section play? I wouldn't say I saw many surprises. I mean, some will probably note Rockla's loss as a bit of a surprise, but Turlock is a proud program and that's not an easy first game road trip. So plus we ranked them at the bottom of our top 10 for a reason. They just had a lot of guys to replace on offense. That's going to take time to come around. It just is. And, but the defense lived up to its billing. I mean, they held Turlock to 14. So 14 to seven, uh, a tough first loss for our number 10 team and who many think are probably still the second best team in the uh, Sierra Foothill League. But I, I wouldn't call that a huge surprise, um, just the way that was set up. They had had a whole, if that, if Turlock was in Rockland, it's probably 14 to seven the other way, right? You know, again, it seemed like a pretty normal Sac Joaquin section football night. The Sierra Foothill League went five and one, the Valley Oak League was four and two with Kimball of Tracy losing by just two in shock, a shootout. And now we move to all of NorCal, right? The rest of NorCal gets going this week. And since we talked storylines with Ike last week, let's drop a fill the gap segment in here to get us thinking about the rest of the NorCal opening up. What's So the one thing you hope to learn from the first night of full NorCal action is blank. Uh, I'd like to say that I'd like to learn that I actually make it out to a game this week but that seems a little personal right um the one thing i hope to learn from the first night of full norcal action is who has the upper hand right away there's no easing into the season for some of our region's top teams uh, you're talking about a week in which four of our top six in our rankings are playing each other we're not talking about the playoffs here this is week one uh, it's just crazy so we're going to cover a lot of specifics on Thursday in our picks episode, but man, Sarah Folsom, Central Catholic St. Francis, Salinas Clayton Valley, even De La Salle Monterey Trail could be pretty good, I think, because the Mustangs have a game under their belt and De La Salle's just coming out of the shoot. So 
those those are just some of the crazy good matchups we get treated to right out of the gate. So let's see who has the upper hand immediately and who might need a, a bit of work. For me, and this kind of hits a little bit on on your um, on your response, but bigger picture for me, I I think it's probably getting a grasp of just how strong the West Catholic Athletic League is going to be this year. Mm. Can Sarah go to Folsom and win, or at least show well? Will St. Francis take a step back, similar to what Rockland did, as it tries to replace a lot of key players? Bellarmine, are they ready for Act Two? What's Valley Christian look like without Jury and Dickey? Uh, plus, there's Rudin under new coach at Hiravapati, and they've got a, a pretty good game against Granada, um, which will show us a lot. And then there's got defending staple champions, Sacred Heart Cathedral, just hanging out there too. So, yeah, Sacred Heart Cathedral showed up in uh, San Ramon this uh, last week at the scrimmage at Cal High. I heard they had some pretty strong numbers out there. So yeah, uh, so that's where we are with that. And now, how about some North Coast section talk? We go way back with our guests for this week. He knows us from our days as newspaper geeks. It's the affable Los Lomas coach, Doug Longero. The Knights of Walnut Creek open with a tough test against the Rancho Cotati Rona Park team that always gives them a good game. We spoke with Doug about that matchup, his expectations for his team this year in the competitive Diablo Athletic Foothill Division, and how he feels about wrecking some of Coach Edson's picks last season. So here we go. Let's listen in. Well, we want to welcome one of the North Coast section's most accomplished and respected coaches as we head into week one of NCS play. Over the years, Chase and I have debated the question of if we were going to start a team, who would we have calling the plays? I think the names we both come up with pretty consistently are this week's guest, as well as our friend and now assistant at Heritage Brentwood, Kevin Hartwig. This coach has also been known to participate in a silly video or two with us, and last season, I even got to meet his dog after his Las Lomas Knights survived a crazy wild ending to beat Akalanis. Coach Doug Longero, welcome to the show. Yeah, thanks for having me. <laughs> All right, Coach. Um, as you probably know, uh, Coach Terry Edson is a weekly guest of ours. And each week, we have him pick winners from three games. And before we jump into this season and talk about the Knights of 2022, we wanted to play you a clip from last season and see if we can't get your immediate reaction to his outburst when your last second loss to San Ramon Valley cost him a perfect week of picks. So listen up. But come on, man. I had a 13-point lead in the fourth quarter. Las Lomas got down to the one. Dougie, what happened? Dougie punches it in. I'm I'm three, I'm three and all again. So uh I have no comment on that game period. So uh, <laughs> we had an opportunity to win that game. We, I don't know. I don't know. That one hurt. That one, there was a few that hurt last year, but that one hurt pretty big. Uh, it, was, it was probably the half yard line, by the way, from punching it in. And I don't even know. I think the back even fumbled it too. And they didn't call it. So it's, it's just, yeah, that and Benicia, that one, those, those two are stinging still. There were plenty of games last year that stung Coach Edson when it came to his picks. So he's he's vowed this year that he's throwing his friends off the boat. He's picking who he thinks. And after one week, he tried that with one of his former Spartans, and Whitney got a win. So it hasn't worked out for him so far. Yeah, yeah, that one hurt. I'm just going to tell you, still, it, it stings. <laughs> it stings, yeah. Well, well, uh, we the the beauty of this game is now we have the next 10, uh, 11, and more weeks to wipe that sting away. And so we have a new season upon us, a new version of uh, Las Lomas football. Let's start basic here. What 
what impresses you most about this year's group coming out of camp and into uh, week one? Well, we had a nice scrimmage on Friday. Uh, I think we surprised it surprised me a little bit. I mean, I've been doing this a long time, but kids were were aggressive. Uh, we're very happy with our front. Our offense line is, is they're a veteran group, and so uh, we're going to rely on their maturity and 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 their experience and so on. Our quarterbacks and experienced kids. So you know, we got a good little. Uh, our first group is I, I think is solid as solid as it's been. I think they're very comparable to what we were last year. So we'll see. We have our depth is terrible, and so that's going to be an issue for us all year, and we got to figure it out. The thing I've always, I think we've both talked about over the years is that you can physically see the progression as a, as a season goes along with your teams, they get better as the weeks go on. And, and so now you've referenced your returning quarterback, Michael Wood. And I saw you guys, like I said, at the end of last year, near the end of last year in that Akalanis game, and you could see how much better he'd gotten. Um, He's a senior now. Uh, Typically when your teams return a quarterback, that's a pretty good place to start. Where is Wood at this point, and how happy are you that you have a senior back to lead the offense? Um, I'm very happy we have a, a, a he's a six almost six six quarterback, so I'm ecstatic about that. He's got a strong arm. Uh, we have some kids that can move a little bit, that can run, and uh, you know we should be able to ex- we should be able to execute a high level. I just I think he's progressing. You know, it, it's it's hard to tell because it's. You're in a scrimmage. You're not going to know until this week and until we get live this week to see what happens. But, uh, you know, he's definitely got a lot of snaps under his belt. Uh, you know, I think he's going to have a great year. I hope. So you've got Rancho Katani this week, uh, a team yep. you have plenty of history with. Uh, yep. they had, uh, not not happy history, at least recently, right? Uh, they had no, the last few years have been – the last few years have been like this that San Ramon game. So it's been <laughs> – uh, it's it, they're they're painful uh they're well well coached they're we respect them a ton uh we're hoping to give them a game this week that's that's our goal obviously first game of the season right but i mean you don't have a lot of film on what they've done this year but you've played them recently what do you kind of expect to be the key in this week's game well they got a phenomenal db and receiver that he's one of the better players i think he's underrated i think he's one of the better players in in probably northern california he is so explosive and talented uh and I think it's he's he's going to be exciting to watch. I think our corner is uh, Emmanuel Carnley is a special kid that a lot of people don't know a lot about him and all that. I think he's it'll be it'll be interesting to see how they match up and how this thing goes out. And uh, we got to win the battle up front. I mean that's the goal with them. They're physical, so they've always been physical. They're well coached. So we just got to we got to battle with them and try to you know try to match match them. Last year's Diablo Athletic League Foothill Division came down to your Knights and and Benicia. Seems like the Panthers might be in a bit of a rebuild state this year. So without giving out any bulletin board material, who do you view as sort of the biggest threat um, in the league this year? I, it doesn't, everybody asks this and it doesn't matter to me. It's Kevin Macy's league until somebody beats them. Uh, <laughs> period. Uh, you know, we failed. I've, I have failed for a few years now. So uh, the, the Cougars are, they're well coached. They're, they're always on the top. They're always at the top of the end. Uh, no matter what, it's it's them, and you know we'll see what happens. It's interesting, Rancho coming in the the last year's game was in the 30s. Uh, the 2019 championship game was one of the most unique football games I've ever seen, seven to nothing. And yeah. and I know it was painful for you, but it was painful for us too, standing on the sideline in like 20 degree weather. It was <laughs> yes, very depressing game. So uh, 
You're really uh, happy you came on here to talk about all your. We're we're happy to depress you. This is feeling really good. Can we go back about 20 years? (laughs) I can feel good about myself again. Uh, Sheesh. Uh, No, uh, I've been. I was just downstairs vacuuming in the living room, so that's where my Sunday is right now. And then you come and yeah, yeah. Uh, No, uh, it it was a good game. They are great. They were a great team, and they uh, we had opportunities in there. They had opportunities in there. They. They held us. We threw the pick at the end of the game, and uh, you know uh, it's like last year's semifinal game. We fumbled a fumbled and scoop and score for a win for Benicia. So uh, with minutes ago, so it's you know we've had some we've had some heartache in the last two years, two real seasons, and uh, we're hoping we can build off that this year and be better. That's coach talk, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> we specialize in coach talk around here. That's why we we didn't ask Terry to join us until he retired, because then he didn't have to speak that way anymore. Right, right, right. <laughs> um, well, those uh, that's the the kind of breakdown that we've got for this week. Chances are you will see one of us, our sh- our smiling faces, patrolling the sidelines this week at George DeClot Stadium. Yep. And in the meantime, we're we're gonna go talk to Coach Edson and see if he's staying on your bandwagon. Yeah, I hope so. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's a, this is a unique team. We scrimmaged O'Dowd on Saturday, on Friday, mm-hmm. and uh, Concord High, who's is much improved. It's, it looks it looks good. Uh, and St. Mary's, and I, 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 you know, I we feel good about we feel good about our physicality. We feel good. We're heading in the right direction. So we hope we you know Friday we get it. We get a good you know good showing out there Friday for everybody. Nice to. Um, a lot of the coaches that we've talked to for, for preview um, stuff have just hit it over and over again about how refreshing it was to have an actual off season, not have all the things that you've dealt with the two previous seasons. How much, how right. much did having a full off season and a full ramp up kind of help you guys as well? Well, this is one of the stronger teams I've ever had. So that says a lot. And so, uh, Physically, this is it's it's very entertaining to watch the guys up front. I think people wrote us off that we lost a lot of skill guys and all that. And I'm just you went up front, and it's what we've always done, always done at Los Lomas. And he, the kids we have, I'm super excited to watch them play. They're really, really physical, and they're really uh, done a good job in the weight room this offseason. So it's it's been it's been good, it's been refreshing. Uh, the the heartaches with equipment and all that stuff kind of been a pain this year, probably worse than any other year. Uh, just because not able to get certain things and all that stuff, so that that's a different story. But it's it's been good though. This happened full off season. We've heard this from some Sac Joaquin section coaches. I think in the context of helmets, actually. Yeah, um, we're fortunate because we stockpile. I've been stockpiling helmets the last couple of years, and so we haven't had an issue with that. It's actually our uniforms. We ordered new uniforms, and our away uniforms are still somewhere, somewhere on a boat somewhere. <laughs> Well, for next week's pod, Chase, we're going to need to find that boat. Yeah, if you can, if you can find it, please let me know because it probably has my game socks on there, details, uh, you know, probably some money. I don't know. It's probably money I already spent on it that I already paid for. So that's, you know, or there's a, there's probably some kids in a third world country that are wearing Lost Almost Night uniforms right now. So business venture. Yes. Oh. All right. Enjoy week one. We'll see you out there. All right. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Coach. Great talking to you. I see you. And now we're going to take a quick time out for a quick message from Sports Stars Magazine's podcast partner, the California Army National Guard.
At some point, your community will be challenged. It could be a flood, forest fire, hurricane, or civil unrest. When it happens, be the one to answer the call. Rescue the stranded. Protect the threatened. Save the injured. Join the National Guard and serve your community when it needs you most. Visit nationalguard.com to find out more. Thanks again to Coach Longero for giving us a little insight heading into week one of NCS play. We'll now turn to his longtime friend and perhaps prognosticating foil as we welcome Coach Terry Edson for our weekly chat. This week, we'll ask him about some memorable opening week games and get his take on both the week that was in the Sac Joaquin section and the week to come in the rest of Northern California. We are back once again with the venerable Coach Terry Edson. We expect a chipper mood from him today as after he performed admirably in the season's first round of game picks last week. Coach, we'll get more in-depth on this on Thursday's Pick'em episode, but we were wondering if you harbored any saltiness to going 0-1 this season when picking against a former Spartan. Oh, <laughs> uh, I'm super happy for Zach. So, you know, Zach, we had uh, Zach, of course, uh, won, and then um, Damon Jenkins, also a former corner of ours, took over Kerman High School. Uh, down there in the valley and he won his first game so um i was very happy for the spartans and what they what they accomplished this past weekend so uh, i'll never be mad that i lost a pick at a spartan one trust me that'll never uh happen although that <laughs> i still wanted to be three and oh but that's okay i'm two and one i i'm on the right track <laughs> that's the ultimate hedge right there you're just you're happy either way that's um, correct so the new season is here for the rest of Northern California after the SJS got us rolling last week. And it got us thinking about opening week games. And I actually went to the game logs for a little bit of history here to jog your memory for some notable season openers. So at what I found in 1984, you had your season opener against Piner called at halftime because an official had to be treated for dehydration. I was just talking to my freshman about that game. <laughs> that you'd bring that up. Um, in 1992, the streak began with a 34 to 14 season opening win over Merced. Uh, Anthony Bolson in the Merced Bears. Yeah. We won't talk about the 2004 season opener <laughs> that also affected the streak. You can talk about that. I, have I, no I was in the newsroom that night. Uh, Curtis Pashelka, the killer of the streak, was there on behalf of the <laughs> Contra Costa Times. Uh, in 2008, you opened the season with a 29 to 28 win at Sarah that Chase and I both remember as the game where backup holder Teron Ward scored on a two-point conversion that probably should have never happened um yeah we should have lost that game <laughs> <laughs> and uh we talked last year about the double ot win in 2011 that was a season opener against bellerman so another one we should have lost as well thank you yes <laughs> so that's just a few do you have a particular season opener from many many years of coaching that stands out that's a good question you know and first of all can i start off with something okay uh, I listened to last week's podcast and I did this a lot last year. So one thing I really want to do this year that I want you to hold me to Ben, because I feel like I've been a politician on this show. When you ask me a question, I want to answer the question that you asked. Oh, okay. Because uh, 
last week you asked me a question about, um, you know, is there a strategy for first games? And I, I realized I'd never really answered your question. So uh, got on this whole tell us how tie, you know, diatribe, but I, and I go, I never really answered his question. So that call, uh, that's called years of coach speak. Yes, that's right. But uh, I think one of um, probably my favorite opening games for sure um both dealing with the San Joaquin section was uh Folsom 14 to nothing that was um to shut out I mean I know they fumbled the ball near the end zone you got to get lucky there's no doubt about it but to shut out that team that was that was incredible I thought and then uh another one of my favorites just um just because of the victory was when we went to Nevada Union I think it was in uh 98 was the first year and we we that was uh, that drive was a lot longer than I anticipated it was a huge sellout crowd and I'll never forget it everyone's hyped up and uh, we had Atari Callen as our kick returner you know just by the way newly elected into a De La Salle Hall of Fame Atari Callen and they kicked the ball to him on the opening kickoff and I just remember on the headphones going that's not a good idea <laughs> He went about 98 yards for a touchdown. I just remember the crowd going silent. And uh, we had a, a huge victory at Nevada Union that day. And uh, uh, that one, and probably my favorite, I think, just for historical purposes, and I th I'll be right on the date, 1985 opening victory against Bellarmine. Uh, the 37 to 14, I believe that game established De La Salle as a force in the North Coast section from that point on. That was a, because at that point, you know, my brother went to Bellarmine, uh, it was a border and we lived in Castro Valley and I used to go to those Bellarmine games and that, that was the team, right? Uh, John Hanna's Bellarmine teams, they were unbelievable. And they're, you know, I think they're one of those schools, you know, that when you think of NorCal football, you thought of Bellarmine High School. So that was, I think, the coming out party for the Spartans. So that is probably one of my all-time favorite opening game victories as well. Coach, our guest this week was Los Lomas coach Doug Longero. We actually had some fun with him by playing one of your many frustrated outbursts last season <laughs> when the Knights let you down with some brutal last-minute defeats. <laughs> Yes, Dougie, I did that to me a couple of times. I have he did. Since, but if I did, don't worry. I would he was very that. apologetic that it happened to you. <laughs> he says he said it bothered him too that they lost. Yeah, I bet it did. <laughs> yeah, probably him more than me, I would assume. Yeah. Anyway, in, in, in Ben's introduction of Coach Longero, he pointed out that uh, Doug is arguably one of the best offensive play callers that Ben and I have covered over the last 15 to 20 seasons. And I think Ben and I would also probably include a couple of guys you've coached with coach Slattiser and, and Allenbaugh on that short list as well. So I've got a couple of questions about play calling and I'll, I'll start with this one. Did you ever have any conversations with lad or Justin about the art of play calling other than, in, other than incredulous, incredulously yelling into the headset asking, why are we passing? They told him to stand as far away as possible. <laughs> Well, one year I was banned from talking to Macateris. That was one of my favorite moments <laughs> in coaching history. You're no longer allowed to speak to him at all. Like, Macateris is all like, 
no, you can talk to me. And I was like, because I the first they said, I said, oh, what's wrong, Katerius? You can't take it from me. <laughs> of course, even being the great quarterback and leader, he was incredulous that uh, I, they did that. But I was like, okay, that's fine. But um, yeah, the, that to be honest, you know, when I started at Dallas, I mean, I started on Dallas. I started on the varsity with Coach Latticer. You know, I I was brought up to help him with the offense. And so when I came up there in 1984, I was the receivers coach and DB coach. And of course, I, I always did special teams, but I was there to work with them uh, on the offense, which probably helped me become a better defensive coordinator as well when I started, when I took over that midway through the 1991 season. But, um, you know, we, we would talk, you know, I, I never, you know, during the games, I, I don't try to, I don't call plays. I think the only play, the last play I think I called or like said, I think we should run this specific play was um, the last modern day game. Um, and what year was that? That'd be what, 2001, the one where they were brand new, you know, missed a field goal to tie the one we just, you know, the last, I think, it was the last game. Was it, I don't know. It was the last game of this? No, third game of the four game series. Was that the Matt Barkley game? Not Barkley. It'd be Leinert. Or Leinert. Yeah, Leinert. And uh, we're and I think I think I think I called for um like we called it the Oregon screen to Demetrius Williams that went for a touchdown. That's probably the last play I actually said. Hey, I think we should run this play. So I didn't get involved in the offense. It was more like, you know, we throw an interception. I'm going, hmm, we just ran the ball for uh, three scores. I guess now's the time to throw. Uh, I would be that kind of guy for sure. But, um, yeah, th those guys, you know, it's the one thing when, when you get, when you're calling and all that, the one thing you don't need uh, as a play caller is people getting in your ear when you're the call that's 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 all that needs to be done during the week you know what do we think is going to work um i know I've, during practice i'd always say the one thing i would do is when they ran something in practice that i liked i'd go i like that call i hope you're gonna run it this uh friday or you know that would be about it because i was always on the defensive side but um well all the good play callers what they're able to do and I think this is the, the, the art of play calling. It's not just being able to read the defense, but it's also understanding your personnel and knowing what you can run with them. I think that's the most important thing because there's a lot of things that you could probably, that you see are open for as you're calling plays, but do you have the personnel to run that play. And I think each year, you know, that's the interesting thing, you know, with high school, you got to tailor your offense to your personnel, just like you got to tailor your defense. You know, you're not going to, if you're a strict man team and you don't have someone that you don't have guys that you're comfortable that can play man to man. I think it's a bad idea just to do it because that's what we do. So um, they were very good. All those, all the good play callers are good at using their personnel, adjusting, to what they have and then um been calling the correct and calling the right place no one does anything a hundred percent correctly but the good play callers um know how to exploit a defense and know the personnel they can they could exploit it. and you gotta and you just can't be a hard head you can't go 
you know, this play worked last year, but last year I had a really good quarterback that could make that happen. I don't have that guy. Trying to force it just doesn't work. So my second question is how is defensive play calling different? And are you, are you relaying something new every snap like offense, or can you find the type of rhythm that offensive play callers describe? like, what's, what's defensive play calling Zen for you? Uh, You know, people have asked, I remember one time uh, I was with the coach and he said, you know, when, you know, when do you blitz? And um, I go, um, when I think I need one. (laughs) (laughs) He goes, well, you don't have a specific time, you know, and some coaches are like that. You know, I was a field coach, you know, there's like, like I remember going to a clinic and watch not deep, this is not defense, but it's what we're talking about. I remember Bill Walsh and listening to him speak and he had his six plays from, from the 10 to the 30 yard line. Then he had his, you know, six plays. He was going to run from the 30 to the 50. So you see coaches looking, you know, during NFL games and college games, you know, they're looking at their call sheet and like, they take all the emotion out of it. They have their sheet in front of them and they just kind of go by where are they on in the field? I, I was never that kind of guy. On defense, I was more, I looked at what plays off the defense that I was going to run that week. When I watched film, what plays are going to hurt us and what adjustments are we going to make? And then I always wanted, I always felt, and you know, my defenses were known for that. We weren't exotic. I was defense. I never ran exotic defenses. I had some coverages I think could be confusing to high school quarterbacks, but my main thing was um, keep the checks to a minimum, have the kids, you know, be prepared and kind of know what's coming, try to get them to understand what's coming out of certain formations, but know where you're playing, know what you're doing. And that way they can play super fast. That was always my goal that, you know, not to be overly complicated where they're just, you know, swimming in their heads that, okay, they're in this, we're in this, let's play. And I always thought in high school, that was super effective. And interestingly enough, I was never known as a blitzer. I was always a guy, I always believed uh, in high school that we're going to play a lot more zone. I'm going to make you drive the ball down the field. And that's why special teams were so important. I wanted a great kickoff team and if you had a great kicker that could put in the end zone, that even helped. I wanted him to get the ball inside the 25-yard line. And, I, and I'd say, like, you got 15 to 17-year-old kids. Let's see you drive at 75 yards without causing penalties or making any mistakes. Because I watched us try to do it. It was difficult. Well, uh, that's what we've got this week. I'm going to encourage everyone to tune in Thursday to hear more reaction on last week's picks and hear which of his friends Coach Edson shuns this week. Until then, thank you, Terry. No problem, boys. All right. Another strong week from Coach Edson will wrap us up. We want to thank him for another week of light and levity. We want to also extend our gratitude toward Las Lomas coach Doug Longero for spending part of a lazy Sunday with us. Lazy for us, anyways. Sounded like he may have been cleaning house. Anyway, we build seven Friday night using Anchor. But the show is available on several platforms, including Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Breaker, Pocket Casts, and Radio Public. If you listen to shows on one of those platforms, search for 7 Friday Night, and please rate and subscribe. 
Each of our episodes also get their own dedicated page on Sports Stars Magazine's web home, sportstarsmag.com. You can stream the episode there, find links to the various other platforms, and check out a variety of bonus items that we like to include. Also, follow the show on Twitter at at SportsStarsPods, and you should also be following Sports Stars Magazine at at SportsStarsMag. That's where you'll get all the latest updates on upcoming guests and more. Our cover art features photography and design by yours truly. Our theme music was produced by Dustin Phillips, who performs in multiple bands in the Sacramento area. And that just about wraps that up. So what do you got? Send us out, Ben. My final thought is that your disclaimer gets longer every week. <laughs> and that people don't get to hear my wit and wisdom because you've rattled off all those things. Um, anyway, shout out, Dustin and your music uh final thoughts week one or week two or week one and a half <laughs> i don't know we'll start um week triple zero uh it's exciting to be you know have everybody in action this week like we've talked about uh in several different ways the slate this week is unlike anything you could ever expect for an opening week it, for most of northern california good football everywhere um lots of chances for people to get out and even if you can't get out as i found out last week you just sit at home you pop on nfhs you watch all kinds of games what's wrong with that so um yeah lots of ways to consume this great sport and we are looking forward to being back out there and uh seeing what's up so uh look forward to seeing everybody on the sidelines this week yep Sounds good. Make sure you check us out on Thursday where we'll do our best to not look foolish in picking some of these crazy games that you mentioned. And then stay tuned to our Twitter on Friday night and, and find out how it all plays out. All right. We'll see you guys on Thursday or I don't know we'll see you, but you'll hear us again on Thursday. And until then, later. Hashtag get her done. <laughs> You know what? You smell the chicken, Ben, but <laughs> you eat it. You want to doubt, throw it out. <laughs>